Good morning. How are you guys? Nice, nice. My name is Dylan Meyer. I'm the youth pastor here at Westview, and I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is speaking to us through this series. And I'll be honest with you, the reason that I'm excited is because God's still good. And when we find ourselves in these moments, when we may be broken vessels, he's still good. And I feel like I owe it to you guys. I wouldn't lie to you. It's been one of those broken vessel kind of mornings. But God's still good. I'm excited because we're looking at a verse in Hebrews that describes heroes of faith. And we're taking a week to, to look at each one of them. And in the midst of that, each hero faces brokenness. Each hero has bad mornings. Every hero has tough weeks, tough months, goodness gracious, tough years. Or three in a row. We'll see. But God is still good. And as I was thinking about this series and the way that we are vessels and at times broken, a story came to mind from when I was younger. I was in my house um, with two of my older siblings breaking rules. <laughs> uh, my, my mom had told us like a million times, don't throw balls in the house. And we were definitely old enough to understand that command. I mean, goodness gracious, I had to be eight, which would have put the oldest one in the room, an early teenager. And so we, we understood we were not supposed to do that. And we understood why but we're also old enough and arrogant enough to think there's no way I'm not going to catch the ball. And so we were playing in the house and mom told us over and over and over again, stop throwing the ball in the house, take it outside. That's fun. like, you can play with it, just take it out or find something new to do. And we kept throwing it, kept throwing it. And she told us over and over and over again. And then she finally, she had to leave. She had to go run an errand. And so she said one final time, and you could hear it in the tone of her voice, this was the, you stop or you'll die time. She said, when I leave, you better not throw the ball in the house. Which just sounds a little bit like a dare, but you know, mom always wins those. Well, we, we have about a quarter of a mile lane from my childhood home. And she drove down it and turned right, and as soon as her taillights disappeared, the ball came back out, and we were playing again. And we didn't drop a single pass. We're really good. But on one side of our living room is a stone fireplace with a mantle. And on that mantle was a wire framework that was around a glass vase. And... My mom can't keep plants alive to save her life. At one point, I remember in my childhood, digging and planting fake plants in our front flower beds. So the vase was not full of a plant, but it was full of rocks and dirt and some like decorative, looks like sticks to me, I'm sure it came from Hobby Lobby. Um, 
But I wasn't worried about that breaking because we're really good. We were just playing catch, and eventually catch turned into monkey in the middle, and eventually somebody threw a pass that was just a little too high, and it hit the vase. And those three minutes of slow-mo as it falls, nobody being able to get there fast enough, and it falls on the stone fireplace and shatters. It's all over the living room. Rocks, dirt, stick things, glass, everywhere. The only thing still intact is the wire framework that was made of metal. And we're sitting there and we're like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> and for several moments, we blame each other. And then for another several moments, we sit there and consider, what on earth are we going to do now? We're sitting in a mess with brokenness all around us, and it's not like we have a spare vase. What are we going to do? That was a stupid decision. There's no way mom's not going to know. But then we devised a plan. And so we cleaned up the mess. We threw all the, gla the glass away, but not in the trash can in the house. We took it directly to the trash can outside so she wouldn't see it when she threw something away. We're thinkers. And then my, my grandparents were diehard recyclers, and they lived just right, right across the way. And so we, it was 15 steps from door to door. And so we ran over to their, their house without telling them, of course. We were in their garage, didn't tell them what we did. And we were going through the recycling, and we found a clear two-liter bottle of pop, almost exact same size as the vase, just different shape. And we're like, oh, this is going to work. <laughs> And the, the vase comes to, it narrows at the bottom, right? And so in order for it to fit in that wire framework, we flip the bottle upside down, and then we cut the, what was now, now the top, we cut the bottom off the bottle. And then we looked through all of the rest of the bottles so that we could find a white cap, because the blue and the green ones were going to catch our eye. And so we had to find a white cap for the bottom. And then we stuffed all the dirt and rocks and sticks back in that plastic bottle and stuck it in the wire framework and put it back on the mantle. And then we waited. And for three weeks, we heard nothing. <laughs> and then finally, mom was cleaning. And she's up dusting on that mantle. And the obvious kicks in. This is not a glass vase. This is a plastic two-liter bottle of pop. And so she calls us in, and she asks us what happened. And we go, well, you know, that one time you told us not to do something, we did it anyway, and this is the solution that we came up with. And we were not punished because she was impressed. <laughs> but there was definitely a moment when we were sitting in the living room looking at that giant mess that we had created, sitting in the brokenness, wondering, what on earth are we going to do now? You see, sometimes we are that broken vessel, and we are sitting in our own brokenness, wondering, what on earth am I going to do now? How am I going to move forward from this place? How am I going to step forward away from this moment? How am I going to make something of this brokenness? And when I run into those moments in life, most of the time it's with something more valuable than a glass face. 
and the solution is a little more difficult to find than a plastic bottle. But I find myself right there wondering, now what? Sitting in my brokenness, but not knowing what to do. In a place where I can't even clear my mind enough to consider what's next. But even heroes have that issue, right? We're going to be in Judges chapter 4 today. We're looking at the hero of faith, Barak. But a little bit of context for you. Israel was well acquainted with sitting in their brokenness. You see, they had this habit of playing with the ball in the house, if you will, where they would draw near to God and, and the things would be really good. And then they'd play with the ball in the house. And they would fall into oppression from their own evil decisions. And that's where they're at right now. Brian touched on it a little bit last week when he talked about Gideon in chapter 6. Same thing is going on, this back and forth of God seeks them out and they start healing and they resolve their brokenness. And then an opportunity presents itself to throw the ball in the house. And they find themselves right back where they were, just exchanging oppressive ruler for oppressive ruler. And in this moment, Israel was ruled by judges. And the judge Deborah is sitting at this moment. And they are being oppressed by the Canaanite army. And they had been for some time. And they cry out to God. It's like, we need... We need to be free of this. We need to be free of our brokenness. They don't know how to move forward. They needed a hero. And so God sent Barak. And so we'll pick up in verse 6. Um, and to again, total honesty, I've been practicing my Hebrew, but if I butcher any of these words, we're just going to cruise right past and act like nothing happened, okay? Okay. So this is... Speaking of Deborah, in verse 6, she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Benom, from the Kadesh Nephtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Nephtali and from the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army and meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops and I will give them into your hand. Barak said to Deborah, if you go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you will lead. Sorry. The road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. When I look at this, I wonder, why didn't he go? Because when we look at verse 6, Deborah says, hasn't God commanded you to do something? And he doesn't refute it. 
At no point is Brock like, no, he didn't say that. You must have been talking to the wrong guy. Or, no, my, my inbox was full. I didn't get that voicemail. Or, I haven't checked that email in a while. It's not like he said, no, I didn't get that message. And she says, didn't he tell you to go? Why didn't he go? A little timid is what I wonder. I know that there's a lot of times that I am timid or hesitant to take that first step that I know that I'm supposed to take, especially with something that's kind of a big deal. Sometimes I'm hesitant to, to make plans a week or two in advance, and he's being asked to lead an army in a revolt against the people that have been oppressing them for a while now. And he's a little timid. Makes me wonder, why? Because I know that when people accuse me of that, I got lots of good excuses. I wonder what Barak's were. Because he's, he's only mentioned a few times in Scripture in this moment, four, chapter 4 and, and 5. I would encourage you to read those. It's good context to understand what, what was going on. But he's mentioned here, and then only two other times, and they point back to this moment. And so we don't know a lot about him, but it makes me wonder, does he have reasons? Like, does he have good reason to be timid to take that step? Because I know that sometimes I do. Sometimes it's an excuse, and we all know how we feel about excuses. They're like armpits. Everybody has them, and they all stink. But sometimes there's good reason. And so, I, like, if I put myself in his shoes, or if I consider some of the things that I've had to deal with, why would I be timid? A lot of times, my first excuse is, well, I'm being patient. I'm going to wait. Because maybe there's a better time to do this. Did God say, right now, or did he just say, Go. Did he say, go in a week, go in a month? I don't know. I think I'll wait and find out. And sometimes that patience is a good thing. But other times I find myself listening to God say over and over and over again, go, go, go. And I say to myself, well, if he tells me three more times, or the next one, or tomorrow, okay, then I'll go. Why else wouldn't Barack go? Maybe this is one of my favorite excuses for me being timid is, well, I'm an introvert. That's just who I am. I'm supposed to be timid. Maybe Barack was an introvert and he didn't want to go talk to the other army. I don't know. Maybe he's really busy. I know that that is one of my most common excuses. I hate that excuse, but I use it constantly. It's, well, I'm just really busy. I got something to do, but I got all of these other things to do too. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I am so busy with things that could be considered good things. There's opportunities to do something that God wants me to do. And sometimes I'm busy with too many good things. But I'm too busy to answer that call right now. So I'll wait. I won't go right now. I got other things to do. Or maybe it's, maybe Barack is dealing with some brokenness that's not his fault. I don't know if you guys have ever found yourself there where there's an opportunity for you to go somewhere, to do something, to find resolution, to find healing, to find God, to follow his will. 
and you can't. And when somebody asks you why, you're like, it's not my fault. God wants me to go, but my leg is broken, figuratively speaking. I don't know what's going on in Brock's life. Maybe his wife is sick. Maybe his mom died. Maybe it's something simple, like his cows got out. I don't know. But sometimes we are dealing with brokenness that's not our fault, and it stops us, and it holds us back, and it makes us seem timid when we are chomping at the bit to do what we know we need to do, but there's something else that has to be dealt with first. That's a possibility. Or maybe Barack thinks he's not important enough. This is a big job to be commanded by God to lead an army in revolt. It's a big deal. Maybe he's thinking, I don't know if I'm your guy. Because Deborah's the judge right now. She's important. Have her do it. I find myself there all the time. When God presents big things that he wants to do through me, I go, I know. Are you sure? I'm not so great. I can think of five, six, seven other people that are more qualified and way cooler than me. Why don't you have them do it? Maybe Barack is struggling with some brokenness deep inside of him. I know that I find myself there too. There's moments when God asks me to do something and I'm like, no. If you knew my sin, you wouldn't be asking me that. If you knew what I was capable of in terms of hurt and destruction, you wouldn't be asking me to go and give and save life. If you knew what I was struggling with, you wouldn't ask me to do your will. If you knew what I did when I got angry, you wouldn't be asking me to go and do what you're asking me to do. If you knew what I did all by myself when I was alone, you wouldn't be trusting me with this. Because there's moments when we are convinced that the brokenness inside of us is completely blind to what God sees. He asks us to do something. We go, no, you don't really know me. If you did, you wouldn't ask. We have that argument with him a lot, don't we? And sometimes we try to play that card as almost it's humility. This is something that is so dangerous for me. This concept that I've learned in the last three years is now a common language to me is false humility. When God gives me an opportunity to do something great and I say, no, I'm not worthy of it, and I give him all of these reasons why, and I think I'm being humble. I think that I'm doing the noble thing of saying, well, I'm not important enough to do it. And he goes, no, I chose you for a reason. But I'm convinced if I'm broken right now, I must have been bad for a long time. And so I hide in my humility because I'm timid to do what I know he needs me to. Because I'm convinced that if I'm broken now, I must have been bad from the start. It's not true. We may be broken by nature, but we're beautiful by design. When you look at our lives as vessels, we may be broken by nature. The things that are around us, the things that we have to live into, the things that we have to live with, they may break us. 
And we may be broken in this present moment, but we were beautiful by design because before we were finished pots, we were clay in the hands of a loving creator. And he made us with love. He made us with his image in mind. And beauty was the goal. We were good from the start. So don't oversell yourself on this idea that we can't do what God has prepared us to do because we think we've been bad this whole time. That the gospel is that we've always stunk. No, he made us good. And we may be broken now, but he sees the good that we were and that's what he's seeking in us now. There is something in us of tremendous value. There was something in Barak that was special. There's a reason God asked him. It's not something just to be shifted to the next person that might be available. There was purpose in that. But I think the real reason that Brock was so timid is because he was convinced he was doing it alone. When we look at verse 8, Barak replies to Deborah and he says, If you go with me, I'll go. But if you will not go, then I won't go. I don't want to do things alone. I don't want to, especially things of tremendous difficulty, I don't want to deal with my brokenness. I don't want to step into war. I don't want to step into tomorrow by myself. I want people with me. I want people that I know love me. And I think, well, why didn't he just ask God to go with him? Why did he ask Deborah? I don't know. Maybe he thought asking Deborah was the same. At this time in Israel's history, you had to go to the tabernacle to be with God. You had to seek him out because there was a sin that separated that, thank goodness, Jesus has wiped away. But he may very well have been asking Deborah because she was the closest person to God that he knew. And he says, well, if she comes, maybe he'll come too. You see, he was timid because he thought he was carrying the weight of this whole war on his shoulders alone. And when we look at the rest of the story, we know that that's not true. Because Deborah says, yes, I'll go. And so then they go. And he does exactly what God commanded him to do. And everything goes exactly how God wanted it to go. There is victory in the end. Because there may be brokenness, but God is still good. His promises remain true. That doesn't change. And so it went exactly how it needed to go. They went exactly where God said they needed to go, and he delivered the army into Barak's hands. But the commander got away. And a woman finished the job, just like Deborah said. Her name was J.L. If you want to read that part of the story, it's a little gruesome. The commander of the army sneaks into her tent looking for refuge as he hides from Barak. She finishes the job with a tent peg. So lessons learned from this Bible story, don't go camping with that girl. <laughs> but victory was the result. Even if there was timidity and brokenness in the beginning, obedience and stepping in God's will in faith led to victory because they did not have to go it alone.
God-sized problems require us to take him with us. And I know that there's moments when we've been sitting in a broken mess that's bigger than we can handle. Why do we do it alone? Don't wait for tomorrow. We don't have to go it alone. He's with us. He wants to be with us. That's the whole reason Israel was dealing with this back and forth. It's because they may have been running away, but he was seeking after them this whole time. And that's been the story the whole way through. You read this thing cover to cover. He will seek us out every time because he loves us and because he wants to be with us, and that's how he designed it to be. He wants to be with us. And we have that opportunity. That invitation is always there, that we can invite him into us. And that is such a beautiful thing. When we're sitting there in our brokenness and wondering what to do or what am I even capable of? Is there anything that I can do? And that's the moment that I start, why? Why am I here? Who am I? What am I doing? Brokenness leads me to all kinds of dark places. But let me tell you this. Vessels are designed and purposed for what they contain. That is where the value comes from. So when we're not certain that we have what it takes to do what's in front of us, we can rest in the truth that as long as he's with us, that's what we need. Because if I want to drink, I don't go to the cabinet and get a cup and then leave it empty. The cup doesn't do me any good. It's what's inside of it that I need. Vessels were designed and purposed for what they contain. That is where we find our value. That is where we find our identity. And we can invite God into anything that we're sitting in. I know that there's sometimes... There's shame, there's guilt. Maybe we threw the ball in the house and we don't wanna fess up. We don't wanna show him the brokenness because sometimes it's not our fault, but sometimes we got ourselves there. It doesn't matter, he wants to be there with you. It is incredible to me that I can throw brokenness at him all day and he will willingly sit in it with me. Whatever the brokenness is in my life, whether it's broken relationships, whether it's doubt, whether I'm doubting myself, or even when I doubt him, he'll sit with me in it. Whether it's the fear that I deal with, the anger that I don't know where to put, the timidity that keeps me from doing what's best for him and ultimately what's best for myself. He wants to be in that with us. And when we invite him into that, he heals us from the inside out. And it is beautiful what becomes of what used to be broken. You see, we don't have to wage war alone. And oftentimes it's in those moments when our weakness shows his strength. When we're broken but full of him, he is what is shining through. And he fills us with value. And he fills us with what is only of himself. You see, when Barak was timid, he was filled with a courage and a strength that was only of God. You see, he fills us with exactly what we need to get the job done. When he says go, he says, go, take me with you, I'll give you everything you need. You may not find everything you need in yourself, but you'll find it in him. So go with him, don't go by yourself. 
Because there's moments when we need courage and strength that's not of us. There's moments when we need boldness that's not of us. There's moments when we need forgiveness that's not of us. There's moments when we need self-control. There's moments when we need healing. There's moments when we need joy and hope and truth and victory that we cannot grasp in our own strength. But if we go with him, his promises reign true. He will always give you what it takes if you go with him. It's not easy. There are definitely times when we need to rest in our brokenness. There's moments when we're on the floor and the glass is everywhere. And we just need to sit there with him and give him time to pick up the pieces. A lot of times we rush right past this because we hate brokenness, we really do. But it does us no good to pick up the pieces ourselves because we can't put them back together. So sometimes we just need to sit in it. Rest in the brokenness and let God be there with you. There is a time and a place for all things. There was a time for Barak to go. But if things were broken, maybe there's a reason he waited. Because God needs to prepare us for what's ahead. When he says go, we go. But if he's telling you, just stay with me, why would you want to leave? Because that healing takes time. When we're sitting in that brokenness and God's piecing us back together, it's not like he's just slapping a Band-Aid on the surface. He wants to heal us from deep within. And sometimes that takes patience. It doesn't take timidity, but it does take patience. And sometimes we need to be broken. Sometimes we need to be broken of what we are so he can make us what he needs us to be. And gosh, that sounds hard. But there are moments, back to this idea of a broken vessel, vessels, especially made of clay, are purified and completed in the fires of a kiln, extreme temperatures. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I run into those in life every other week, something that just boils me. My goodness gracious. And what that does is it purifies and it completes everything that I am. And sometimes it completes something that I don't need. Sometimes that hardens in me a part of me that I don't ever want, that God didn't put there. And the only way for me to redeem that is for me to give it to God so that he can break me and make me anew. Because if I've become something that he never intended to be, me to be, it's a scary place to be. And it is for my benefit that I be broken. But it's important that we validate our brokenness. It is tough. It is very difficult. And it is never fun when somebody asks, how are you? And you go, actually, pretty terrible. That is not a fun conversation to have. But it doesn't do us any good to ignore our brokenness. We can only fix what we're aware of. We can only give over to God what we are aware of. Because then when he heals us, when he restores us, when he redeems what we couldn't, he takes something that was so, so broken and makes it so, so beautiful.
And that is the moment that we are ready. When he says go, we go. And we go in obedience because that's what's needed. Barak had something to do because that's what was needed. It was for his freedom. It was for the freedom of Israel. It was for the glory of God. That's a big deal. He needed to go. And I don't know what is in front of you in life, but if God's asking you to step into something that you need and those around you and those you love need desperately, I hope that he gives you the courage to say, yes, I'll go, because he's asking you for a reason. But how do we know the difference between go and stay? If we know that there's purpose and there's value and there's reason to sit in our brokenness when we need to, but we also know that God's asking us to move, how do we know whether we should go or stay? Ask and listen. If our goal is to do God's will, shouldn't we ask him about it? If our goal is to be healed by God, shouldn't we ask him when he's done? Ask. And he will tell you. Sometimes it takes time to train ourselves to listen well. Sometimes we're waiting, listening with our ears, and he's speaking to our heart. He will tell you. Make sure you listen. Give over your brokenness. Let the healing begin. Some of us walked in with brokenness that we can't bear. Don't walk out of here with that. By all means, go with God, but make sure he's the one carrying your brokenness because you cannot put it back together. I cannot put it back together. Those that you love, inspired by God, are incredible companions, but they cannot put it back together. There are some things that only he can do. Give over your brokenness. When you find yourself in the living room with everything on the floor, give God the pieces. And then whatever is ahead, whatever you're facing, whatever brokenness you're in, whatever hope is to come, go with God. You guys pray with me. Jesus, thank you for all that you are. For the love that sought us out, the sacrifice that cleared away, that we don't have to go anywhere to seek you. You are right there with us, right there seeking us. God, I pray that there never be anything that separates us from you again. If there's something in our way right now, if there's something that we've done, something that burdens us, God, I pray that we confess it. Give it to you, God. Because there is something so, so good about being with you. God, I pray that whatever it is today, we have the courage to go with you. If you need our brokenness, God, I don't know what it is right now, I pray that we give it to you, that we offer that to you. If you are mending us, God, give us the patience to stay with you and let you finish what you've started. God, if you are preparing us to go, give us the courage to go. May we offer you our obedience. God, whatever it is that we're sitting in, whatever season of life we're in, whatever brokenness we wrestle with, You love us, and you are with us. God, I pray 
that we have the boldness and the courage to go with you. Amen.